Welcome. Good morning and welcome to Southfield. I'm glad you're here. You're here. You can breathe. I don't know what kind of morning you had this morning to get you here and before you arrived, but it's okay. You're here and you can relax and you can just totally tune into God now. Um, this morning, Dennis is going to finish up our 130 series, not by a birthday celebration, but by um, speaking about prayer, talking to us, encouraging us, and giving us applicable ways of incorporating more prayer into our life because it's essential as Christ followers to have that as a big part of our life. We're going to continue in worship the song, another song about love. We keep singing about it because it's so important. We know that God's love never fails and never gives up. Dear God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the the depth of your love, Father, and the power of your love. And we thank you that your love never fails. It never gives up on us and it never runs out, Lord. Jesus, we worship you today with our hearts and with our minds and with our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, it's great to see you. My name is Dennis. Uh, as you walked in today, you were handed a folder, and on the inside is a card. It has the word Southfield Church on it. If you take that out, I need you to do a couple things with it right now. Uh, put your name on it, first of all. If it's your first time with us, uh, just fill out as much information as you're comfortable filling out. In fact, for you, as you're leaving today, uh, we have a gift. There's a table just outside the door. Uh, we have some Bibles there that are printed in uh, plain English. If you have a Bible that is kind of hard to understand, You'll love this one. It's easy to relate to. There's also a book there by Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough. We'd love for you to take one of those. It, it talks clearly about how you can have a relationship with God. For everyone else uh, that's been here all the time, we're glad you're here. And again, you can just put what you want on there. I have something special for everybody, though. So don't, don't put this card away quite yet. Keep it in your hand. I'm going to tell you a little story about today. And in order to tell you about today, I actually need to tell you about yesterday. <clears throat> because yesterday... My youngest and I uh, made the journey to Champaign to, to watch the Illini um, put their head in a wood chipper called Ohio State. And, uh, yeah, they lost. We knew, I mean, you, you could just feel it. You knew it was coming. It's one of those teams that every time, it doesn't matter how bad they are, how good we are, it, it's just, it's just going to go poorly. I don't know a lot about football. I admit it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I watch it. I'm like, there's the ball, there's the ball. But, you know, I, I like watching it. But I don't know a lot about football. But here's what I do know. When the score is 17 nothing, and it's the fourth quarter, um, you probably want to hurry up because there's not a lot of time in order. You know, it's not like they're going to add an extra quarter saying, hey, guys, you're doing really good. A nice effort. Here, here's a gold star, and here's an extra quarter. They don't do that. You know, so you've got to hurry up. And they're just playing lethargically like they've got all day to go. It's called a hurry-up offense. This morning around church, we had a hurry-up offense going on. It was really cool. Prior to church, I get a, a text about 10 minutes to 7 this morning from Bob Coyne, who's our trailer driver, and he shows me a picture, a picture of our church trailer and a semi parked in front of it. And he said, what are we going to do? And well, pastors, uh, well, I guess we'll pray. I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, I literally called 911. I was like, I don't know what to do. Help me. I mean, we gotta have church, and you know, it'd been one thing if it was the chair one. Y'all could have stood, but it was the stage, the lights, the screens, the sound, all that stuff is it's it's just blocked in. What are we gonna do? So we called the landlord, we called the police, we called the trucking company, nothing. In the meantime, Bob calls and says, here's what we're going to do. Now you got to understand that the trailers are pulled in on gravel and then behind them is grass. He says, what we're going to do is take everything out of the trailer 
take it off, and put it into the empty trailer once we empty it here. Now, I don't know if you've seen our cabinets, but they've got casters on them, rollers on them, and you're not going to be able to roll them in grass. So we've got pieces of plywood, rolled them off, rolled the stage. If you've ever rolled this stage, this thing's like a lethal weapon. Rolled the stage off onto plywood, back onto the trailer, brought it on over. This morning, um, I know that Baptists and whatever, but they don't have patron saints, but Bob and Jason are our patron saints today. I'm going to be carving... Be carving little statues out of ivory soap later today, and I want everybody to get some incense and oranges and put them in front of them. I mean, this, I, it was phenomenal. And then when they got here, everybody just busted it. Now, here's why I'm raising this, why I'm having you keep this out. Next time I call 911, I'd rather you be the 911 than the police, because honestly, they were not very helpful. And you guys, will be, no, they couldn't be. I'm sorry, it's, they couldn't be. They couldn't come onto private property and move the truck. I'm not dinging the police. I love police. Police are great. Um, but you would be a more effective 911 in this particular case. So if there is an emergency on a Sunday morning, uh, this isn't just uh, somebody had a sniffle and we need a replacement. I'm talking like there's a possibility that church is not going to happen because we need bodies fast. If you put 911 on there, next time I'd rather call you instead of the Grundy County Sheriff, okay? So would you go ahead and do that? Put it on there now if you'd be willing to call. Part of the reason I asked you to put it on there, I could just call you, but I've learned that calling people on Sunday morning at 6.30, they just aren't happy when you call them at that time if they weren't planning on being awake. So that could be really, really helpful. Thanks so much. This morning we're going to be doing a family dedication. And this is a cool dedication because um, it involves, in a sense, one family and two families all at the same time. So I'm just going to have the brood all come up. Lakens and the Werbs are coming, and they're bringing their, just the little ones. You went with just the little ones. They're going to bring everybody, but, ah, there we go. We have sisters who had babies. Isn't that cool? Now, here's the thing. This is the second, right? Mm -hmm. Ryan's number two. Megan's number four? Yeah. So I was thinking about what to say, and I'm thinking about being a dad myself. And and what I realized for each of you is uh, moving to number two was fun, wasn't it? Number one was like a little more portable. You could just kind of take them anywhere. You could go anywhere. All of a sudden, number two comes along, and and you're like, oh, my word, we actually have to act like we have kids. (laughs) And, and, you know, it it gets a little bit more complicated, which then, I don't know, number four. You guys are just pros by then. But I think the thing you guys are learning and have learned throughout the years is that, um, you know, four kids, you figure, okay, once you've had the first two, you pretty much got it figured out. It's all kind of autopilot after that. But it's not autopilot because every one of them is incredibly distinct. And, and I, I kind of wonder why God did it that way. Why he didn't just give us one, maybe because he'd give us one that was really tough and then we'd have four really tough ones <laughs> but but it's really it's really kind of fun figuring out the personality the uniqueness of, of each of our children so um i just i don't know i love the challenge that god has placed in 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 your hands and the reason i love it is because i don't think um as a human there has been anything that has taught me more about my relationship with god than being a dad I mean, everything, there, there are things that my kids pull that I think, you got to be kidding me, really? Really? 
And as a dad, I go, and I could never, ever, ever, ever say goodbye. I could never kick you out. I could never say, no, we're done. You're my kid, and I love you. And I don't know, just being, being a dad on every level, it's taught me about prayer. It's taught me that, um, you know, my kids, I'm sure do what your kids do. Mom, 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 mommy, mommy, mom, mom. They don't say dad because we don't do anything. <laughs> they, they, they go to the source. I mean, let's be real. You know, when my kids come to me, it's because, I don't know, she's not available and I'll just say, yeah, whatever. And then they realize, wait, I could get anything all the time if I ask dad. Um, there's never a time that my kids can ask too many times. It's not like there comes a point that I say, no, we're, we're, we're done. You've asked enough. You need to go find a new family. And, and so I just, I, I'm encouraged for, for, for all of you that, that you get the chance, not only through the Bible, not only through prayer, to get to know God, but you get to know God through being a mom and being a dad. So, come here, dude. You are so cute. Dear God, we thank you so much for little boys. Thank you for Ryan. God, we know... Okay, we'll go this way. We know you love him. We know his mommy and daddy love him. We pray that you'll bless him and keep him. Make make your face shine on him and give him peace. We pray that there would come a day that he would trust in Jesus as his forgiver and leader. And that he'd know that at any time... He can say he's sorry to you and you forgive him. But even more than that, you, you never turn him away. You never reject him. You always love him. Just like his mom and dad. Pray that you'll help Nick and Tessa to be really great parents to both of their kids. Help them in their devotion to you. And that through being parents to these two sweet kids, they'll learn more and more all the time about what it means to be a child of God. In Jesus' name. Well, that worked. <laughs> there you go. Heard your voice back. Come here, Megan. Oh, aren't you cute? You can just stay all day long right here. How's that? <laughs> Mike's especially sad today. He's a U of, a U of I fan as well, so... This will make up for it all. Dear God, I pray for Megan. I pray that you'll bless her and keep her too. That you'll make your face shine on her all the time. Pray for peace in her heart and peace in her life that comes through knowing Jesus as her forgiver and leader. I pray that that will happen for her, that she'll realize that as sweet as she is, sin separates her from God. And that she'll want forgiveness. She'll ask for it. And that you'll guide her, show her the way for the rest of her days. Pray for her mom and dad. Raising four kids is, is fun and tough and challenging. There's no way we can do it alone. You've given this little girl some great parents. And I know probably some days they don't feel like it. So I pray that you'll always encourage them as they're raising a great family to know you and love you and trust you. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations, sir. I will just keep her. Congratulations.
And congratulations to you, too. There you go. Thanks. Oh. Here's where we are. You're like, wait a second, I thought that birthday thing was done. You know, the birthday was last week, the church birthday. We turned 130. I thought the birthday was done. Well, I don't know about you, whenever a birthday happens, there's always cake left in the fridge. You've got to go back and finish it, right? So we're going to finish some of the cake today. We're going to finish out where we've been. We've been talking about um, asking God, God, what's, what's the next step for us? What's the next plan? What's your plan for us? Where are you taking us? We've made it to 130. What about the next 130? What's, what's your plan from here forward? And, and we've got to know how to know what God's plan is. How do we know it? And, and in part, we know it through praying. And this morning, uh, I want to take some time to talk about praying. Now, and when I talk about praying, I realize I'm hitting a lot of different people on a lot of different levels. Uh, for some of you, um, well, we all have different styles of prayer for one thing, but we also have different levels of knowledge of prayer. Some people pray a lot, they, they, they get it, and for some people, when I talk about praying in church, they kind of go, you know, that's something pastors do, and that's really neat that you're paid to pray, but, you know, the rest of us, we have a life. So I realize I'm hitting everybody on a lot of different levels today, and, um, and yet the truth is everyone needs to pray, everyone, not, not just people that work at churches, everyone needs to pray. Do you know that Jesus prayed? Jesus prayed. Now, when, when I think about the fact that Jesus prayed, it raises a question in my mind. Why did Jesus pray? I just really think about that for a minute. Let's settle in on that. Why did Jesus pray? I mean, we, we understand that Jesus was God. Is he talking to himself? Dear God, oh, that's me. Uh, why did Jesus pray? I mean, it's kind of, uh, you've got to really think through it for a bit. You know, the, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus came to earth, he wasn't... Half God, half man. He wasn't 50-50. Here's my divine side. Here's my human side. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus came to earth, he was 100% God and 100% human at the same time. And what's cool about that 100% God and 100% human, when he came to earth, he said, I'm going to give up the right. He wasn't going to give up being God but I'm going to give up the right to do things I would normally do as God. So, I mean, I'm thinking as God on earth, there had to have been times that Jesus would have been tempted to just say, uh, I don't feel like claiming my room. Boom, done. He didn't do that. He gave up the right to use his divine power to do anything he wanted to at any time. What did that mean? He still needed divine power. He still needed to be empowered because he's not only 100% God, but he given up the right to be God, given up the right to act like God. He is 100% human. And as 100% human, he needed to be empowered just like we do. You see, I think the reason Jesus prayed is to show us how much we need to pray. How much if we as human beings don't pray, uh, we're really going to have a hard time. We're going to struggle through life. I want to show you the fact that Jesus did pray from the Bible. Mark 1 says... Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So there were times that Jesus, before the day even got started, he'd spend time alone with God in prayer. Uh, There's another time that he spent some time with his disciples during the day. He sends them off in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, off to Bethsaida. 
He sends the people home, and verse 46 says, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. So we have him sometimes praying before the day gets started. We have him sometimes praying after the day is done. Uh, In this particular case, in Luke chapter 6, it says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. And then the next day, He went among his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. So we have Jesus praying in the morning. We have Jesus praying at night. We have Jesus sometimes praying all night. And we know from the book of Matthew as well as other gospels that there was a point that Jesus spent some time praying in a garden. When he was about to die, he spent time praying alone with God. Jesus needed to pray because Jesus was just as human as you and me. And his humanity needed prayer. If we're living without prayer, I mean, it's like the best appliance or or electronic gadget you've ever owned without being plugged in. you got all this potential, all these possibilities. But if you're not praying, you're missing out on the power that God wants to give you in order to really live an amazing life. Every one of us, every one of us needs to pray. In fact, we're, we're going to stop and pray right now for something uh, really specific. Just prior to church, Carly Miller caught me and said um, one of her high school friends was kayaking yesterday and he's missing. And, um, and obviously it's, it's sad and people are wondering what's going to happen. So we're just going to take a moment right now to be quiet. And everybody, rather than one guy praying for the gang, let's have 100 people pray. You don't have to go out loud. Some of you are sweating. Uh, God can hear what you say. But let's just go ahead. His name is Mitch. Pray right now for him and his family. God, I can only begin to imagine what Mitch and his family and his friends are going through right now. Uh, We all pray that he's still okay. God, we pray that um, you'll help everybody who's going through this intense amount of pain to know that no matter what they go through, they're never alone. You're always there with them. No matter what valley we walk through, you're always beside us. Thank you for being there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We all need to pray. Sometimes it seems like the only time we pray is in tragedy. Oh, God, life hurts a lot. I need to pray. We need to pray all the time about everything. I I love prayer heroes, people that have just been examples throughout human history of amazing prayer. There's a man named George Mueller. He opened a bunch of orphanages in England to take care of kids. And he made a determination before he opened those orphanages. He didn't go to the ten richest people he knew and say, I need some sponsors, I need some benefactors. Will you contribute to my cause? He said, I'm going to have such faith that I'm always only ever going to rely on God to supply our needs. He never told a human being about a a need that they had for the orphanage. He only prayed to God. Now, he prayed sometimes upwards of four hours a day, but he prayed and prayed and prayed to God. Most of the prayers were, God, the kids have to eat the next day. Uh, The kids have to eat. We need food. And without fail, time after time after time, He'd open the door and a bag of rice 
bag of oatmeal, grab a grab. Something was there in order to feed the kids. I love that story. I love the fact that here's a guy that was so in tune with God that he said, God, I'm only ever going to depend on you. Now, you hear four hours in prayer and you go, oh, my word, four minutes for me would be a marathon. I mean, are you kidding me? Four hours. How in the world do you ever pray like that? And so when, when we talk about something like that, people start going down kind of this path. Well, what do you think God really wants? Do you think he wants quantity in prayer or do you think he wants quality in prayer? Don't you think he'd rather have one really quality 30-second prayer as opposed to 10 minutes of blah, blah, blah? I mean, come on. We, we really want to... We want quality over quantity. Now I want you to think for a moment, I'm married. If I went to my wife today and said, I've been thinking a lot about our communication. Would you rather have quality conversations or would you rather have a quantity of conversations? Would you like me to just be with you and talk a lot or would you like me to have two of the best minutes of the day with you? I know what her answer would be. I can guess in advance. She'd say, well, yes, yes. I want quantity and I want quality. I want both because that's what it takes in a relationship, doesn't it? This isn't, you know, God, the cosmic vending machine. I'm not coming and putting in a quarter and getting out a, a prize. I'm coming to talk to him because we're developing a friendship. And if you're developing a friendship, you need to spend time together. So I'm going to go a, a kind of an interesting path this morning. Hopefully it'll be helpful to you. I, I want to help you to increase the amount of time you're able to pray. Just just jack it up a little bit. Um, Bob Coyne is leading our running journey group. And the first day we got together, he said, running for 30 minutes. And I'm like, 30 minutes. That's uh, 15 more than I like to do. And the last 10, clutching, I'm like, I'm coming home. That's it. I'm, it's over. I can't believe this. And what do we do at the end of the day? He says, now next time what we're going to do is try to add a couple minutes to that. And I'm like, I thought 30 was pretty good increased a few, increased a few, increased. What we're going to try to do today is, is press you a little bit. If you're praying a couple minutes right now, let's see if we can get it up to five. If you're praying five minutes right now, let's see if we can stretch to ten. Let's increase the quantity of prayer because what we're really doing is increasing the amount of time we're spending in the focused presence of God. That's what it's about. Not just bringing him a laundry list, but spending focused time in the presence of God. So here are some things that I do in order to help me uh, to pray longer, to be more focused, to really stay engaged in prayer. Because i got to admit to you, as a pastor, I too have had those wonderful moments where I stopped to pray and woke up 20 minutes later and went, that was a great nap. Oh, I feel so guilty. I was supposed to be praying. I've had those times in prayer that I've been going through and praying, and all of a sudden I go, why in the world am I thinking about being in Florida right now? Boom, come on back. We need tools that help us to stay on track. We need tools that help us to focus, because we're talking to someone we can't see. It's not really hard for me to focus on my wife. She's right there. She's in front of my face. God is not in front of my face that way. So I need some things that help me to be focused, to stick with it, and to stretch the time some. Here's one of the first things I do. I peek. I peek. Do you know that it's okay to open your eyes when you pray? Like, oh, sacrilege. No, it really is. In fact, Jesus opened his eyes when he prayed. Look at this. He's feeding these 
people, he tells all these people to sit down and says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He took lunch. He's going to feed thousands of people. He took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up toward heaven and blessed them. It's funny, what do we do when we pray? Bow your head and close your eyes. What did Jesus do? He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. He prayed with his eyes open. I was working with a group of pastors not too long ago on their preaching, and they're from a, a denomination called the Vineyard. And time after time, I saw these guys doing something on their DVDs, and I'm like, I'm really curious. And so I finally asked the final guy. When, they would, when the pastor would pray up front, he prayed with his eyes open. And I'm going, what are you doing? Like looking for the ushers? Are you afraid they're lost? What do you know? He said, no, we've been taught when we pray to pray with our eyes open to see what the Spirit of God is doing. To see if there's something going on that God is calling us to do. I still haven't been able to do it. I'm afraid that if I do it, one of you are going to be peeking. We're going to lock eyes and you're going to be like, I got caught. Oh, no. <laughs> Lost my points for being here today. Doggone it. Rah. Open your eyes. Open your eyes when you're praying. That in itself. Okay, think about it for a moment. You want to pray for 15 minutes. So what do you do? You go sit, you fold your hands, and you shut your eyes. That is a formula for nap for a 48-year-old, if I've ever heard one, I mean, I'm going down for the count. I'll be out after minute two. I promise. It's the way it works. Peak. Peak. Here's another one. Move around. Move around. You don't have to stay in one spot. I have found if I am going to stay in one spot, for me, kneeling helps. It is hard for me to nap and kneel. I mean, that, that, does, that does help me. But if I'm not going to be kneeling... I mean, I, I'm just telling you flatly, I don't lay down and pray. I'm, <laughs> that's lying. I'm going to sleep. I, I've got to be doing something. One of my favorite places to pray is the Ian Michael path. I go down, I park, and I can't, I can't walk and pray with my eyes shut. I better keep my eyes open. The river's on this side. The canal's on this side. And I walk and I pray. Walking and praying is so helpful. You don't have to be in a still posture in order to pray. In fact, there are two things I want to encourage you to move. I want you to encourage you to move your lips and to move your feet. Uh, I've found that if I'm praying for a long time and I'm only praying in my head, uh, I, again, formula for sleep, it helps me to move my lips and to talk quietly. Now, I know somebody may walk in and go, what's wrong with him? I'm talking to God. That's what's wrong with me. You can be very pious in that moment. So, but no, I, I'm talking to God. I, I'm doing something with my mouth. I can hear my voice just enough that it's keeping me engaged. It's hard for me to just go, when I'm talking in my head, I can wander to never, never land. But when I'm talking just enough that I can hear my voice, it helps me to stay engaged. And again, moving, moving my feet, making sure that I'm walking or doing something like that is incredibly helpful praying. I'll give you another. Pray with a friend. Try praying with a friend. I'll tell you what, couples, I've found that couples really struggle with praying together. And you know why? Praying is an intensely intimate act to do together. You're revealing things to God that you reveal to no other human. It's intense to pray with your spouse. 
it helps to pray with a friend sometimes. I had a friend in St. Louis. He was learning to pray. This is the guy that when I first met him, he had just become a Christian, and I'm sitting there, and we're talking, and he's F-bombing in front of me, and I'm going, you don't get that I'm a pastor, do you? I had just had three years of seminary. I had The only F-words I had heard were theological words. I didn't even remember what that word was anymore for crying out loud. And so, you know, we started to get together to pray. He wanted to learn how to pray. And we'd pray together, and before you know it, we're praying together for a half hour. And it was helping him to grow in the length of his prayer. Praying with somebody can really help. It can help stretch out. Even if it's just, I pray a sentence, you pray a sentence. Or I pray for a little bit and you pray for a little bit. And it's amazing when, when you really get your heart in tune with somebody, how it becomes like a tennis match. I mean, these prayers are just going up and back as, as we're talking to God. Now I'm going to make some of you tense. But I love doing that. This is one of my favorite tools to pray with. Uh, it's it's an Anglic- Anglican set of prayer beads. You're like, I thought you weren't allowed to use those. Well, sure you can use these. These help me to stay focused in prayer. I use these to pray for my family. It's got four big red stones, the four people in my family. So I start, Kim's the first big stone. And I've got that. There are seven that come after that. I pray for seven things for my wife. I don't have them written down. I just pray for seven things that come to my mind. Seven things about here. Here's the cool thing about seven things. If I focus on each of them for one minute, I've just prayed for seven minutes for my wife, which for some of you are saying, that's about six minutes longer than I've ever prayed in my life. Uh, Split it in half. I prayed for three minutes for my wife. And then I move on to my son. Uh, there are times that he doesn't call home. And so this bead becomes the Shelly bead instead of the Brian bead. But anyway, um, pray for Brian, pray for Shell, pray for Nate. This is a great tool for me. It helps me, again, because in prayer, my mind can wander and I can quickly look down. I have a physical reminder. Oh, I'm on the Kim beads. And I continue to pray for her as I'm going along. I'm not just doing something rote and mindless. I'm thinking through who am I praying for? What's the request of this time? I've used this to pray for our church. I've used it to pray for all kinds of things. I mean, right here, I have 32 beads, 32 prayers that I can offer up to God. And if I even just take 30 seconds on each, I've actually spent a significant amount of time in prayer. Now, some of you are still, this just makes you tense. You know, you were part of a church that did this and it's just messing with your brain. All right, take the string off of them. I use rocks, too. I have rocks with words written on them. And I'll sit and take the rock and pray, pray for whatever that topic is, move it to the other side. Now you're going, you have like a million gimmicks of prayer, don't you? I want to stay engaged. I want to stay engaged. I want to keep praying. I want to grow in the amount of time that I pray. And so just like working out or anything else, I'm trying to find things that help me to stay engaged, to keep my mind engaged in talking to God. You can use anything like that, that you can count out in order to continue uh, to pray to God. This is really helpful to me. Um, I like writing prayers to God. I love written communication for me is probably my favorite form of communication. I can perfect it. I can choose the exact right word. I can choose the exact right way to say it. Now you think about it. You want to write a prayer to God. You could actually spend 10 to 15 minutes writing a beautiful prayer to God. He hears it just as much when it's written as when it's coming out of your mouth, doesn't he? So write a prayer to God. 
have a journal and you're just writing, writing prayers. It's another way to stretch. Another thing that I use is a, a book of prayers. This one is called The Valley of Vision. And it's written by, by Puritans, old prayers, beautiful old prayers that I use as kind of a guideline for my own prayer. I don't find myself just praying someone else's prayer. It's not, it's not the idea of just saying something. I use their words as prompts for things that are going on in my life. Let me show you two of them that have been really meaningful to me. This is just part of one of them. He says, I am so slow to learn, so prone to forget, so weak to climb. I'm in the foothills when I should be in the heights. I am pained by my graceless heart, my prayerless days, my poverty of love, my sloth in the heavenly race, my sullied conscience, my wasted hours, my unspent opportunities. I'll use this prayer as as part of my time of confession. And I'm able to just go through each line and spend a few moments on the line. I can spend some time praying about times I've been prayerless. God, I want to reconnect with you. Or praying about my sullied conscience. God, there are things I've been thinking about that I shouldn't be thinking about. And I can enumerate those to God. So I'm using this prayer that came from someone else to prompt my thoughts toward God. I love this prayer. It's just called private prayers. He says, two things I recognize in myself, Lord. That I am made in your image. That's great. And that I have defaced that likeness. That's awful. I admit to my fault, but remember, Lord, by myself, I cannot do much about it. Take from me what I have spoiled. Leave in me what you have made. Don't allow my stupidity and wickedness to destroy what your goodness has redeemed. Acknowledge in me what's yours. Take away from me the sin that is mine. I come to you, the mighty, the almighty. I come to you, the physician. Where I am blind, show me the way. Where I am sick in mind, heal me. Where I am in the strange hold of habit, release me. I I can spend ten minutes just on that prayer, going line by line, and saying it back to God, saying it back in my own way, and connecting with Him in what's being said there. Another tool that you can use is the Bible. This is what George Mueller used, the, the rice guy. He would just pray the Bible back to God. I mean, he didn't just read the Bible to God. God wrote the Bible. He knows what it says. But he would use it as the basis for the prayers that he was offering up to God. Again, something more than just trying to come up with something in my own head. It gives me a topic, some, something to run off of. And then there's something else I've used for years. This is just a... Uh, part of a prayer journal that, that I made along the way. I, I, I worked on developing um, a purpose statement for my life, a mission statement. Some of you may have done that. Uh, I've used the seven habits of highly effective people in this particular one where he says, define your life in terms of your roles. What are your significant roles and what do you want your life to look like at the end of it? What, how do you want it to turn out? So I started thinking through the roles that I have as a, as a human, as a, as a father, as, as a person involved in, in a church. And, and I mean, there were so many different roles. I talked about, um, I, I'm a devoted Christ follower. I'm a man. I'm a friend. I'm a leader. I'm a communicator. I provide spiritual direction for people. I'm an overseer. I'm a shepherd to people. And then I'm an ambassador in that I take the news of God to other people. So I, I just wrote out these roles, and then after each, I put three words that describe how I want to live out that role. And then a short paragraph to say, ideally, if I'm living this out to the fullest, this is what it looks like. 
And then after that, I put a verse. All the verses for me are from 2 Timothy because I can really relate to what Paul was saying to Timothy in those passages. I'll use this as the basis for a time of prayer. To just pray through, like for example, when I talk about being a man after God's own heart, a devoted Christ follower, I have three or four pages that are connected to this one. One piece of that is a sheet that's just all about confession. Another is uh, character traits that I'd like to see God develop in my life. But it gives me, again, something more, some topics, something to run on, something to pray for. I really think that when it comes down to it, if you're a person that's never prayed more than a couple minutes, it's probably because you're trying to come up with all of it out of your own head. And, and we kind of go through a little vapor lock. We need some things that prompt us, that prompt us to think systematically about what is it that I want to say to God today. We all need to pray. We all need to pray. Every one of us. I mean everyone. And I, 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 as I was preparing for this, thinking about it, this specifically came to my mind. And, I, and I, I thought, is it going to come across corny? I don't care if it comes across corny. That's the way it is. Um, this applies to you guys, too. High school students. Um, I didn't start praying like a year ago when I realized I was going to die soon. You know, I'm old. You get that, right? That was funnier in the first service. But anyway, um, I started praying when I was a kid. I started systematically praying as a teenager. And um, if you're waiting to get old, to get close to God, I, I, I'm sad. I think it's kind of sad to say you probably won't do it. Because the rest of the people that are 30 and old... Um, they're realizing that there are distractions at that point of life that they say, well, when I'm 40 and really crippled, that's when, that's when I'll pray. And, oh, no, I'll wait till 50. That's whoop, other side of the hill. I, it, it's not about someday when I'm old. It's about now having a relationship with God. I, I've been recently um, in, my, in my devotional time using a, reading through the journal of Jim Elliott. He's a guy who was a, a, a missionary to the Alka Indians and was actually martyred. And he wrote this journal. He started this journal when he was like a, his sophomore in college. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, I know pastors that couldn't express this depth of their relationship with God the way this guy is expressing the love that he has for God. And it's, it's not surprising that God used him the way he did. He had such tremendous devotion to God. So for all of us, uh, if we want to see what God wants for our church, I guess we could go buy a kit. I'm sure there's some megachurch out there that's doing something cool right now, and we could all jump on board with that. I'd just rather do what God wants us to do, you know? I'd rather hear his voice. And, and, and i got news for you. He doesn't just talk to me or overseers. He talks to all of us. I'm convinced he wants us all to be praying for each other. He wants us all to be praying for his church. I, 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 you know, it's cloudy today, so I don't just mean this uh, physically. I mean it in the truest sense. The world's really dark right now. It's really dark. I mean, I don't know about you. I watch the news and I'm just like, Phew, is, it, uh, is this the end? Are we done? Here's the thing. The church has the light. We have the light. We have the light of the world. Politicians don't. They don't not only have light, they don't have a clue. All right? And I don't care which end you're protesting on and which street you're rallying on or anything. They don't know either. The church of Jesus Christ has the answer. 
And we are not going to be able to do anything if we are not plugged into God in prayer. This thing, this thing is resting on our shoulders. God wants us to be praying to him. So I want you to take that card because I have some potential commitments for you today. I know for some of you, you're listening to this, you're like, whoa, I wasn't ready to talk about prayer today. I'm just, just getting my arms around this. But I want to suggest some things that you might jump on, some things you might do. The first one is this. I'm going to try one of the tools presented this morning. You're saying, you know what, I do want to increase my time in prayer, so I'm going to do one of those things. And, you know, hopefully you were thinking through what they were. Maybe one of them really struck you like, yeah, I'm going to just start to peek. I'm going to start to pray with my eyes open. Or I'm going to start to walk. Or I'm going to start to write prayers. Or I want to work on a journal. Or, or whatever we talked about. Pick one and put it on the line. That's the thing I'm going to work on this week. Because I want to pray for you as you're trying it. Okay? We're going to support each other in this, in praying together. The second one, I promise to pray for Southfield at least once a week. One time a week, and I'm telling you what, if it comes down to the fact that you're walking up on Sunday morning and you see me standing at the door and you go, oh, I forgot to pray. Go back to your car, quick pray, and then come in. But once a week, once a week, you're going to pray specifically for our church. Not going to get anything done. Not going to get anything done without all of us being connected with God. Then the third one is this. Um, Maybe you saw the mission statement thing and you're like, you know, I'd really love to work on developing a prayer journal. I don't know where to start. Or even just some of the other things I talked about. You'd like to talk about them a little bit further. You'd like some coaching in it. If you're interested in that, check it off. We're going to figure out a way that we can get together and help you to get to the other side of this. Because I think a lot of the problem that most of us have with our spiritual disciplines is we're trying to do them alone. We go to a gym, we, we sign up with a trainer because we don't know how to do what we're supposed to do. We need some training on the spiritual side as well. So if we can help with that, check that one off. All right? In a few minutes, we'll turn these in. Let's pray. God, even as I say those words, let's pray. I realize they haven't just pronounced that um, we're going to take a minute to transition so that the band can get on the platform and Dennis can get off the platform. But we've pronounced that we've just run into the throne room of God. We, that's what the Bible tells us, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Right now, we're all standing collectively in a monster throne room in heaven in front of God Almighty. And nobody had to announce us coming in. We, we didn't have to get permission. Like little kids of the king, we just came running in. And you, were, you had a universe you were running, and you said, hold on, my kid wants to talk to me. And you stopped, and you listened. And we realized that we don't get to run into that throne room because we're so good. We get to come in because Jesus is so good. We get to come in because we've asked Jesus to forgive our sins and to be the leader of our lives. He's paid for our sins, so we have permission now to run into the throne room of God. Thank you for letting us be here. And thank you for letting us spend time right here, right now, with you. And I pray for my friends that we'll all get a greater urgency about praying, that we'll want to, that we'll want to more, that we'll see great results from just finally having a very strong, connected relationship with you. Because this isn't just about putting prayer hours on our meter It's about developing our relationship with you. Help us to be known for that as a church. 
We're connected to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your head bowed for a minute and use the silence to continue to talk to God. Whatever's on your heart, just tell him right now. As we sing this last song, I want to just present this idea to you. You know, if you're with me, if you're like me, um, I totally know that God is strong enough. I know that he can deliver me from anything. I know he can heal me from anything. I know that he has the power. But it's those times when he doesn't deliver me from the fire, when he doesn't calm the storm, but he just stands right next to me during it. Those are the times that it's hard to worship and it's hard to lift my voice to him. But those are the times that we really need to. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to God. And I just file those things in the secret things, those reasons why he doesn't decide to pull us out of the fire. And so that's why we're singing this last song. It's no matter what's going on in our lives, we're still going to worship. And we know God is able, but he just may not decide to heal us or decide to deliver us in our timing, only in his. And so I just want you to lift your voices to God.